Thank you to this episode's sponsor, Tai Tung Pharmacy, an Asian American business located in Boston, Massachusetts. Welcome to the Inclubi Movie Podcast, where we talk about all things media and diversity. I'm Matthew Stiuso. And I'm Hazel Bolivar. For today's podcast, we're going to be discussing Latin American representation in media and how it impacts the U.S.'s perception of immigrants. We will also be joined by Rafael Sarmiento, who will join to share his perspective on the complexities of representing such a diverse culture. But before that, we're going to get into our pop culture moment and talk about what's new and trending in entertainment. This past May was Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, so we want to shout out some big new releases on the way. Marvel's Shang-Chi and Eternals, the latter of which is directed by a friend of the pod, Chloe Zhao, will feature extremely diverse casts with Asian American leads. And as we move into June, we begin Pride Month. Of course, we strive to celebrate various identities regardless of the month, but for our pop culture moment today, we will be talking about some AAPI and queer stories in the media to celebrate. There is a significant lack of queer AAPI stories in Hollywood right now, but we want to shout out Netflix's The Half of It, a 2020 film by Alice Wu that features a queer Chinese-American lead. The movie has all of the charm of Netflix's other popular romantic comedies, but with an impactful script and strong performances. And it's definitely a film that we recommend you check out this Pride Month. Yeah, I mean, we definitely want to see more mainstream queer characters, especially by POC. On that note, (laughs) Disney's Cruella recently debuted Disney's first openly gay character, which has become the topic of controversy. Mainly because many have noticed that Disney has attempted this several times. With much fanfare, they've claimed that blink-and-you-miss-it type characters are huge steps forward for queer representation. And it's genuinely kind of pathetic to me how unwilling major studios are to commit to featuring queer characters and yet they still want the praise for having minor characters um but i digress absolutely i mean disney is such an influential media conglomerate and it's unfortunate that they aren't allowing themselves to make larger strides for the sake of representation recently beauty and the beast avengers endgame onward and the rise of skywalker all quote-unquote featured Disney's first gay characters, and as we've seen in Rise of Skywalker, the features are so minute that they can be successfully edited out in international versions. In the case of Cruella, we'll take what we can in terms of representation with the hope that someone, somewhere, will be inspired. But for now, we're going to turn to our main topic for today, which is Latin American representation. For today's episode, we will be talking about how the United States media depicts people of Latin American descent, consisting of nations in North, Central, and South America, as well as the Caribbean. Before we get into our conversation with Rafael, let's start with some statistics from the USC Annenberg's 2019 report on Latinos in film. While Latinos account for 18.5% of the U.S. population according to the most recent census, across the 1,200 popular films from 2007 and 2018 used for the USC Annenberg study, only 4.5% of speaking characters were Latino. This figure did not change very much in 2020, according to UCLA's 2021 Hollywood Diversity Report. 
The percentage of Latino roles in that most recent report was only 5.7%. The low percentage of Latino characters is not the only issue, though. What these characters were represented as turned out to be just as disappointing. The report found that 24% of all Latino-speaking characters were depicted as criminals, and that overall, when Latinos were represented, 36% of the time they were isolated from their culture, which the report interprets to suggest that, quote, Tokenization of Latino characters and the absence of either understanding or intent to show the richness and variability of Latino culture in both the U.S. and internationally. Yeah, the report is so striking, but to be honest, when it came out, it wasn't all that surprising to me. I think back on my experience learning about film as a Colombian American, I can't really remember watching many representations of Latinos, let alone Colombians. In the rare instances where I did see Latinos on screen, It was often Latino men depicted as criminals or violent drug cartel members, or Latino women depicted as hypersexualized, which the USC Annenberg report notes is happening at higher rates for Latino women on screen than women of many other ethnic groups. I have a feeling that most people's experiences seeing Latinos was very similar to mine, given that now that I've come out as a trans woman, I've been called quote unquote spicy or whatever. Jesus. And... When I was growing up, before I came out, I was often jokingly called a drug dealer or told to go back to where I came from. And that was long before Trump had even come into office. Yeah. So in my experience, I feel like a lot of this has to do with the way that Latinos are imagined in the U.S., which is a way that creates a sort of fear around us immigrating here. And the media has a big hand in perpetuating those stereotypes. Yeah, when I think of recent films that have really reinforced negative perceptions of Latino people, especially ones that lead to xenophobia, I'm reminded immediately of Sicario and, to a lesser extent, its sequel, and how they both focus on the U.S. war on drugs, but seem to lack the complexity in their depiction of the conflict. I vividly remember the popularity and critical response of the first film, and I actually remember seeing the first one and being extremely put off by the level of violence in it. I can't say honestly, at the age I was, I was super aware of how potentially damaging the film was to the Latino community. But in hindsight, I'm not surprised that in doing research for this episode, both of the Sicario films were met with boycotts and complaints, specifically due to the fact that Mexican citizens felt that there were several inaccuracies in the depiction of Juarez. That's why the emergence of films that were either from Mexico or featuring Mexican culture was so important. Coco and Roma were able to celebrate Mexican culture as well as depict the complexities of the Mexican identity and experience. Similarly, the success of Mexican filmmakers such as Guillermo del Toro, Alfonso Coron, or Alejandro González Iñárritu, in spite of such strong anti-Mexican rhetoric at the time period, was to me extremely encouraging. It is encouraging. And those movies point to the fact that the issue is not only representation in front of the camera, Because I would say the bigger issue is representation behind the camera and in writers' rooms. USC Annenberg's report notes that only 4% of directors were Latino among the films that they studied. And of those, only one of the 49 was a woman. For producers, only 3% were Latino, 4 in 1 being men. So when we talk about a movie like Sicario, having that story be told by a French-Canadian director like Denis Villeneuve when there's already such a lack of Latin American people directing or writing, it's frustrating because to me that means that Latinos have little agency over the way in which we are represented in the few times that we are able to be seen on screen. 
Yeah, I mean, this has been a point that we brought up all the way back in the first episode with Malcolm Marie and Sam Levinson depicting the black experience. I will say, I do believe it is possible for directors to tell stories of identities other than their own. You know, we talk about Guillermo del Toro, and he made Shape of Water, which features a myriad of diversity in race and sexuality and ability, none of which were specifically his own. And he made one of my favorite queer movies in doing so. Yeah. I mean, one particular movie that was released in 2017 is the Chilean film A Fantastic Woman. And the film tells a story about a trans-Latina and actually stars Daniela Vega, a trans actor and singer in the leading role, which back in 2017, that was pretty rare to have trans women playing trans women. Yeah. So although the film was not a U.S. film, it won Best Foreign Language Film at the 90th Academy Awards, which is where I was introduced to it. And seeing a successful movie with a trans lead, specifically a trans woman of color, should be a major eye-opener to Hollywood that it can be done and should be done. Yeah, absolutely. I am a huge fan of that movie. But with that being said, after our short break, we will be joined by Rafael Sarmiento to continue our conversation on Latin American representation. From Peter Ng, founder of Brush Magic Kids. For years, I have created these Brush Magic Kids, representing my writing of Chinese calligraphy on greeting cards. These Brush Magic Kids didn't have faces until I launched my scholarship program. I just painted the first kid with a face, Brush Magic Kid Juliana. For all students K-12 and their parents, if interested in the scholarship program, please go to www.brushmagickids.org and sign up. Good luck! For our interview segment today, we are going to be joined by Rafael Sarmiento, a former Incluvi editor who currently works in the film industry, specializing in political campaigns. How are you doing today, Rafael? Hi, all. Uh, I'm doing well, alive and well. Thank you for having me on. So today we are going to be talking about the correlation between um, representation in the film industry and an anti-immigrant sentiment towards Latin America. So... Our first question today is sort of, how do you feel those two relate to each other? What do you think is the relationship between anti-immigrant sentiment, especially in the past few years, and the way that Latinos are depicted in the film industry? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's not been the best six years, to, to put very lightly. Uh, on air, I have no problem trashing the Trump administration. <laughs> um, there's definitely been a massive massive wave in um hate crimes alone um i can tell you right now i've been working on a on a documentary based on the book american hate by arjun sethi and hate crimes in the united states in the recent years have gone up from like a reporting number of somewhere in the 20,000s to uh 400,000 and that's when you're taking into actual um reports that don't count on local policing mm-hmm. it's an actual number taken from actual calls made actual instances recorded not just local reporting by the fbi standards right and that number is higher than it's ever been since post 9-11 so across the board it's pretty bad for any minority right now and especially for latinos where trump's campaign kickoff was a speech that said mexico was sending its worst you know and they're sending their rapists and drug dealers i mean yeah, these past six years have been really rough in that sense. And I'm in New Mexico, one of the most like 
the absolute most Latino and Hispanic filled state and a pretty liberal one at that. And I seen a difference here. And especially with just, you know, representation in film does kind of make an impact. I mean, you watch a movie like uh, Sicario or worse, Sicario uh, 2, which I cannot remember the name of. Sicario 2 literally has the Day of the Soldado or something. Dia del Soldado. Thank you. That's what the yeah. second one's called. I was going to say Dia de los Muertos because I'm so used to Day of the Dead in American cinema. But yeah, <laughs> Dia del Soldado or something like that. And um, that movie literally has like <laughs> waterboarding and suicide bombers. Like if they're fighting ISIS. I mean, that's never happened. Yes. The cartel is real. Yes. That is very present in Mexico. But, you know, they're not coming in, spilling over the borders and sending these children like drugs and any ice officer, any border patrol agent will tell you this drugs come in mostly almost always at the ports of entry. I mean, it's just the easier way to do it. And the difference between, you know, human beings and like trying to just get a better life (laughs) and these cartel guys and that portrayal on screen really makes an impact when the only thing you're showing is these cartel guys. And even when you are showing the positive side of just normal people, guess what? It's always going to be Mexico. It's never going to be anywhere else. And it's usually going to have something off and good luck finding a movie like that. That's not directed or written by a white guy. Yeah, so given the recent anti-immigrant sentiments, which of course extend to many other cultures, but looking specifically to how the United States views Mexico, it often seems like the U.S. has a flattened idea of Latin Americans or all of Latin America as being all Mexican in a way. Do you feel that the movie industry plays a role in perpetuating this sort of view or... Has there been an effort within the industry to challenge that kind of essentializing or flattening image? So naturally, they're a neighboring whole autonomous nation. So it makes sense that you're going to take an interest in your neighbors. And the problem is when you have all these movies coming out, right? I'm not saying no more Mexican movies. I'm saying keep the Mexican movies. What I'm saying is maybe ease up on the drug dealing element, especially stop the brown facing, like having Shia LaBeouf play a like Jolo LA drug dealer. (laughs) Um, I'm amazed that like that eighties brown face still comes up now and then, you know, you saw it a lot in the eighties, um, aliens, that lady they have, she's not Latina karate kid, Ralph Macchio's Mm. not Latino. Um, Al Pacino, they haven't played Cuban and Scarface, not Latino West side story, which is getting a remake by Spielberg soon. Uh, The original is full of Italians playing Latinos. And so, yeah, like, please add the other people. There are so many other nations beyond Mexico, and it's such a small-minded way of thinking, and that gets us nowhere. And while, you know, baby steps are appreciated, it's really, you want a lunge or a stride, you know? you you got to get going at some point, or people are going to take advantage of the baby steps and just squash them before they become an actual momentum. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, even in recent memory for me, when I try to think of films that have been extremely positive for representation of, you know, Latino culture, it does seem mainly to be films like Roma or like Coco, which are all centered around Mexico, like you said. Um, And Latino culture is so fascinating because it really has roots in multiple continents, you know, I would say three or four at, at like at least. Yeah. 
So there should absolutely be a reflection of that in what we're seeing in media. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, has there been any sort of positive movements in your mind um, of like complex representation of Latinos in film? We like to say movies that you would give and include be five stars to. Yeah. Or do you see any positive trends towards that? I think the positive trend is that we're at least getting a little further away from constantly making about drug dealing. Now mm-hmm. immigration's in the mix. Day of the Dead's in the mix, I guess. I remember, um, <laughs> which Bond movie was it? I think it was Spectre opens up with like a Mexico Day of the Dead parade. That's never happened. There, There is no parade for Day of the Dead, but now there is because all the Mexicans saw and they're like, you know what? Good idea. Let's do it. <laughs> but yeah, they're like, there's just a total gross misunderstanding of the culture of Mexico to begin with or like yeah the disassociation that a lot of these immigrants which obviously migrants are yes coming to the border there's no denying that but it's not just like this wave of malicious drug dealing Mexicans it's mostly actually Central American places that have been displaced by American involvement and who cannot claim sanctuary in an embassy which you normally would be able to do, but the U.S. made it harder for everyone because we're so xenophobic, and you have to go directly to Maine, so you cannot do it on a U.S. embassy because of the U.S. It's important that people are just aware of that. And in movies, you know, this five stars that I'd give, I sincerely can give five stars um, to good movies that put in effort, like Coco. You know, that is really, truly a good representation. It's partially Latino-written, and it shows, but it's still not Latino-directed, and no one would care about it if it wasn't Pixar, which breaks my heart. But, I, you know, Coco's good. Icebox is about the abuse of um, ice towards immigrants, which is, again, 100%, same topic, still going there, not Latino-directed, but I think it does paint a good picture of, you know, the actual immigration and not just like Sicario, Dia del Soldado. Oh, we got suicide bombers coming at the border. <laughs> Spy Kids is a classic. Most people probably see it, you know, the whole Spy Kids thing. Robert Rodriguez, who was born in Texas. Yeah, that is American filmmaking. Uh, you know, the Spy Kids saga is pretty good, pretty diverse in the weird way. I think it gets the family component of Latinos pretty well. Yeah. And there's two movies that I barely remember but they're good movies um we the animals and don't let me drown we the animals is about the puerto rican teenager in the closet with an abusive father i think and don't let me drown is a chicano love story in a post 9-11 new york and yeah we got in the heights to look forward to and i'm pretty sure that's gonna be a five star looking at it alone it's already a five star for representation unless they suddenly decide to halfway through the movie completely change the already written play (laughs) (laughs) um but, you know, they're, they're out there, but it's really hard. Like I was saying before, uh, it's hard. Like, really, try to think of a single Latino movie that is not about Mexico. And then, from there, try to think of one that is actually Latino directed or written or, like, any yeah. important capacity. And then try to think of it, is it made in the U.S. or is it just an international movie that got its way here? And in the Heights, you know, I actually already booked my tickets and I really have my fingers crossed uh, as such a fan of the musical. Um, But, you know, there's also more Latino creators out there besides Lin-Manuel Miranda. (laughs) And, you know, I hope it sort of just trends positively. Yeah, because, I mean, it's fine. I I love, you know, uh, Guillermo del Toro. I love uh, Iñárritu. I love all these guys, Robert Rodriguez, who I brought up. 
But it's like, mm, we also need the nobodies to step up to the plate. It's not even their fault. We need the people in charge yeah. to step up to the plate and just have empathy and maybe, you know, try something new instead of the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> and women and queer people. And, Everyone. You know, obviously, the there's a whole topic of colorism within. Yeah. So when it comes to representation, like you said, with baby steps, um, hopefully a movie like In the Heights can be a big stride. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to realize, like, with the Latinos making up, you know, the largest growing minority in the U.S. And, you know, we're a big chunk. Um, think how bad it must be for everyone else, like just indigenous peoples, uh, Asian Americans. Uh, like, it's not great at all it's pretty pathetic um that we can't we have all these people and we just keep doing the same old thing and really just giving token positions and making talk but not actually having action it's like symbolic but i'm so tired of symbols i want actual like you know change and results it's just exhausting on a personal note you being someone who works in the film industry and works for campaigns is representing your culture an important part of why you do the work that you do or a big inspiration for you doing it? You know, I'm going to tell you a personal anecdote. <laughs> um, I dated a gal for two years in a serious relationship and her grandma was a racist. I'm just, she was an old school Arkansas racist and I was scared. And I thought I'd pass myself off, pull a Ralph Macchio as Italian. <laughs> mm. That was a low moment. Um, I decided to never do that again. So I tattooed my arms <laughs> with uh, the, my actual ethnicity. I catered to a grandma. So I wouldn't upset her, an old lady. And I'm like, I am so done with that. Like I, I was like, why did I like go out of my way for this lady that didn't like those dirty Mexicans touching her car? As she would say, why was I the one catering her? <laughs> So I stopped doing that and I'm very much outspoken now. And um, I'm viciously, probably obnoxiously Latino now, Hispanic now. I don't know. I think the best way to change the world is to just actually try. Because, I mean, at some point you're self-aware that, you know, you're making a good or a bad decision depending on how the other person's affected. So, you know, just be you. And the world could probably be better because you can better yourself. You can better the world and just take it a step. Those are the baby steps. I want to see if everyone makes an individual mm-hmm. effort, then it doesn't matter if you have baby steps, if it's a flood of steps coming at you. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, you know, we need the pro Latino sentiment to be as vocal and as loud as the obnoxiously loud anti Latino sentiment yeah. uh, that we have like so often seen in America. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, where can we tell our viewers to follow you and follow your work? As we're in the Incluvi podcast, uh, I used to, as they say, be the head critic for Incluvi. So you can find my old work on Medium. And I do have non-Incluvi work that I write on Medium, too. That's kind of like my hub. Anything you need from me, boom, there I am on Medium. So go find me there. Rafael Sarmiento. The Incluvi Movie Podcast is hosted by me, Matthew Stiuso. Our show is produced and edited by Hazel Bolivar, who also joined us as a guest host today. Our executive producer is Kathy Yee. Special thanks to Rafael Sarmiento for joining us this week. And special thanks to Waterboy for making our theme music. You can visit Incluvi.com to rate movies on their diversity and read reviews focused on representation in media. 
You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram or support us on Patreon at Incluvi. That's I-N-C-L-U-V-I-E. Thank you so much for listening and be sure to join us in two weeks when we will be covering Southeast Asian representation. 